Welcome back to Swine TV. We've got an episode today talking everything ag tech again, specifically how technology can offer better service for farms and new business model for swine vets. I welcome Dr. Gil Patterson from VetNow and Chris Baumgars, founder of EveryPig. Welcome, gentlemen. Great to be here. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Good to see you again. We'll just do some brief introductions again. I know, Chris, you're, you've been on the program before, but uh, Dr. Gil Patterson, can you give me your background, please? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me on, Jim and Chris. Great to be here today. Uh, so I'm Dr. Gil Patterson. I'm co-founder and chief medical officer at uh, VetNow. We, are, we have a, a veterinary telemedicine and technology platform designed for veterinarians and swine producers to communicate uh, share records, do various other uh, tasks related to swine health management. Uh, I've been at this for about three and a half years. Um, joined VetNow with a vet school classmate of mine um, who had started um, VetNow about a year or so before I joined. Um, she was an equine vet and um, basically asked me to come on board recognizing that there is this huge need for veterinarians, especially food animal veterinarians, uh, to better leverage tools that improve their efficiencies, productivities, and uh, abilities to uh, just sort of stay in touch with, um, you know, all their different clients and farmers and veterinarians that are out there. Um, before joining VetNow, though, I was teaching at LMU, uh, Lincoln Memorial University, which is a, a new vet college down here in uh, eastern Tennessee, which is where I still reside, uh, teaching swine and public health type things. And then before that, I was actually in swine practice out in Minnesota, working with the Swine Vet Center, um, which was a certainly pretty sizable practice out there. Spent a number of years just driving uh, farm to farm, meeting uh, a lot of the the big names in the industry and working with uh, some pretty impressive uh, producers as well as veterinarians. So I have a good handle on what the day-to-day -day lives of veterinarians and their producers look like. And I'm here excited to talk with you and Chris today about just how tech can help uh, improve the lives of, of vets and their producers. Chris, what, what is every pig? Yeah, so EveryPig is a software company I founded um, as a pork producer. Um, my, my father is a veterinarian who started the Orange City Veterinary Clinic. So I, I grew up in Northwest Iowa, came from a background um, around the farms. And as we started to expand our, our family business, um, raising pigs, wean to finish, um, we really noticed a lot of the challenges that the industry faces at scale. And, and one of those that stuck out to me was that we were keeping important time-sensitive information on pieces of paper that were scattered around the countryside and faxed into an office once a month. And it seemed pretty crazy to me in this day and age that we didn't have real-time access to that information. And it was costing us, um, it was costing us pig lives. And so um, about seven years ago, I, uh, I started out um, designing and getting every pig developed, um, which is really a real-time pig health and, and um, treatment um, gathering um, platform. Um, which at its core digitized these barn sheets. And then we present the information to stakeholders like um, veterinarians and production managers in real time and, and offer a centralized communications platform to really help streamline operations. Well, it's been an up and down year for the pork industry currently in 2023. What is your assessment of the current state of the industry? Gil and Chris, what are you guys seeing? Do I go first, Chris? 
Sure. I mean, um, you know, friends and family and, and clients are, are definitely talking about um, margins. It's, it's a really tough environment out there for a lot of, a lot of pork producers um, right now. So I think um, we are going to see a, a period of time where efficiency is going to really matter. Um, I think labor continues to be a, a major issue, and, and that's one of the benefits of, of telemedicine and, and some of these technological tools that we'll probably talk about today. Um, also of note, um, you know, mortality rates are getting worse, not better. So uh, you can look at companies like Metafarms and, and their production index that comes out, I think, on a quarterly basis. But the trend line is not good. And so I think you know, we're kind of here to maybe challenge the industry a little bit to think about, you know, if mortality rates are getting worse, what are you doing to, to make it better? So doing the same thing over and over again um, and expecting different results. We know we know what that is. That's the definition of insanity. And, and so we need to maybe start to take a look at, hey, let's implement some new practices here to start being more efficient with our people and also getting more pigs to market because um, we're going to be going through some tough times here for a little bit in the industry. Yeah, and if I, if I could expand on that, just sort of speaking more specifically on the veterinary side, um, you know, swine veterinarians are, are obviously key members of the overall animal health management team. Healthy pigs, you know, equal, um, you know, safer food, uh, more profitable results, um, lots of other benefits there as well. So engaging the veterinarian, having them involved in those important decisions about, you know, say which treatments to use or, you know, how to restructure your management to make sure you're um, you know, treating pigs that need to be treated and sorting them correctly and all that sort of stuff. Um, at the same time, we have this, really what I see is an unsustainable model for veterinarians uh, to be able to effectively oversee the, the, just the sheer number of animals and farms that they're, they're responsible for. I've heard that, you know, new vets coming out of school are being hired and, and asked to, to oversee, you know, 50,000 sows and all of their offspring. And that's just getting your head around all the different comings and goings and crises that are going to arise um, as a new grad is, is really, really daunting. Um, so we've got this crisis where and we just there aren't enough veterinarians to effectively um, and efficient, appropriately oversee all these animals. Uh, and at the same time, we're finding a harder and harder time getting vets that um, stay in these, you know, private practices or, uh, you know, company vets positions for, a, you know, a, a long period of time. It, it is a very, uh, unique lifestyle that requires a certain type of individual that, you know, spend a lot of time on the road and, and some people, you know, can, can handle it. But, uh, you know, as, as the years go by and, you know, as your family grows and different, uh, priorities arise in life, it, it, a lot of times we're finding that to find veterinarians that stay in, these positions where they're just running around driving 50, 60, 70,000 miles a year. Um, it's just not sustainable. So we, we need to be able to engage veterinarians in a way that uh, is more efficient, more productive uh, and leverages some of these uh, tech tools that, you know, tools like every pig or vet now, and, and there's many others that are out there that, um, you know, we, we didn't have at our disposal even a decade ago. And all these from connectivity to just the, the scale of what tech, tech can do now, I feel that the veterinarian actually has quite a bit at their disposal um, to be able to be remote at times when appropriate and um, still provide a high level of service and care to, the, to, to their farms and their producers. 
So Gil, do you think vets are using telemedicine up to their potential? Absolutely not. And I, I mean, I would say um, if you were to ask a swine vet, hey, do you use telemedicine? Your answer would be yes. I mean, I do it all the time. And, and that, that is true. I mean, your, your phone is your lifeline. You're out in the truck driving between sites and you're taking calls and responding to texts and reviewing pictures that people will send you. You're writing, uh, you know, e-prescriptions, sending in VFDs. All that stuff's happening on your phone or maybe a laptop if, you, if you've got that at hand with you. Um, so that's technically telemedicine. And vets would all agree that, yes, my, my phone and my laptop are, are key pieces to be able to you know, address the needs of my client. But if you were to ask them, hey, are you doing telemedicine in sort of a formalized service or a, an offering to your clients as this is an added service that you, you know, we can provide value for you? Most of them would be reluctant to say, yes, that, that is something that we offer. Um, so it currently it's, it's happening. Uh, it has been happening for a long time, um, but it's really sort of haphazard and ad hoc in terms of, you know, here's a text that comes in, here's an email, there was a phone call, I hung up and, you know, the record of that conversation gets lost. So the ability to, to capture and document those touch points that vets have with their clients, I think is, is a key piece to just being more organized, being able to uh, address problems as they arise, um, you know, prioritizing where, where you need to be and where you ought to spend your time in, in many ways. So Chris, you guys have a tool that can help producers and help vets as a management opportunity. So it's going to increase the efficiency in the operation. And there's a communication barrier potential on why you can help people. So why do you think we're operating like it's 1990 still? Um, I think that those are really good questions. And, and I just want to uh, maybe second a couple of things that, that Gil said. Um, you know, growing up with a, a dad who started a veterinary clinic, um, I've seen the amount of hours that these um, veterinarians are putting in and, and have put in. And I think, you know, we're working with a new generation now that really values work-life balance. And what we see veterinarians using every pig being able to do instead of maybe being out um, driving around the countryside in, in central or, or eastern South Dakota, they're at their kids' baseball games and softball games, and they're able to respond to issues maybe between innings, um, but they're, they're catching the game and they're still getting all the, the context they need. And, and I think that's kind of the second component. Um, Dr. Patterson had mentioned how veterinarians are already practicing telemedicine, um, but they're not doing it in a way um, that's really taking full advantage of what technology can offer in a lot of scenarios. So you can have an example of maybe veterinarians are receiving um, a text message that's a picture of a postmortem of a pig from a farm. Well, the veterinarian's going to have two, three, four, five, 20 questions really that they need to either try to remember about that individual group of pigs, um, what treatments were going in, what symptoms they've been showing, what the mortality rates are. The list goes on and on, whereas in a telemedicine platform like EveryPig, they can see it all right there. So we're trying to give the veterinarians and production managers all that context they, they need um, by turning the caregivers into your data collectors. And when they do that, when the caregivers are completing these digital daily checkups, the veterinarians already have the context so they can save the communications back and forth. And a lot of times there are major gaps in those communications. You send a text message out, the farmers in the field planting like this time of year, and you might not hear back from them in a day. 
So I, I really, you know, we see veterinarians making real-time decisions, and I really want to challenge the industry to think about what's it costing you? Like, what's really your average response time between a caregiver reporting they have a problem and medication getting into that group of animals? What's that costing you in terms of mortality and money? Yeah, and likewise, I mean, just to elaborate on that, Chris, you brought up a lot of really good points and to challenge the industry to um, be open to this idea that a veterinarian that's equipped with some of these tools, such as every pig or, you know, uh, let's say that now, or, you know, just some of the other, uh, you know, databases or tech, tech uh, platforms that are out there, um, they actually... I'm not going to say they have it, it replaces that in-person visit because that's obviously critically important. Vets do need to spend their time in the barn, uh, you know, at the slat level with, with the producers and uh, understanding, you know, what's going on, you know, in the barn at that moment. But I think there are certain advantages that a remote veterinarian or even a field manager could, um, could be able to leverage when they've got all this information that allows them in some cases to actually have a more unique and, and, and valuable perspective. Cause you know, if I'm at a computer, I've got all of a sudden the ability to see what's happening across an entire flow of pigs and, and looking at the past history of, you know, how these different treatment outcomes turned out and, you know, helping, helping identify where uh, problems are arising before they get worse. Um, so, you know, keep that idea in mind as we, you know, continue to talk is, is, you know, how, how can the veterinarian, provide more value remotely beyond just that traditional, say, phone call or a text message exchange about an isolated case. Rather, if they've got all these tools like or in databases that they can they can tap into, they actually have a, a pretty broad perspective that they're not able to capture in the moment while they're in there in the barn. So the current state, producers are losing money. There's a labor shortage, a vet shortage. So give me a couple more examples of technology how it can be used as a tool to aid in those challenges. I, one thing that comes to mind um, for me is we see our veterinary users covering 10 times as many cases each day via tele, telemedicine versus actually physically driving to the farm. And I want to be very careful. I, I'll second what Dr. Patterson said. The goal is not to replace every single farm visit. But the goal is to help you be more effective with your brain power, because at the end of the day, that's, the veterinarians have the know-how and the brain power, and that's really where the value is. It's not them driving around the countryside. Um, so I, I think one of, the, one of the challenges or opportunities um, that the industry needs to think about is a new revenue stream for, let's say, independent veterinary clinics that are maybe charging for that physical site visit when oftentimes that physical site visit might not be necessary. Um, and the new revenue stream really is some sort of, you know, subscription model where um, say a veterinarian between sow unit visits where they have down days for biosecurity reasons can be behind a computer monitoring their customers and, and responding to their clients quickly and billing their clients for it. If you ask me if I can get a, a, a virtual consultation Instead of having to drive, make an appointment, drive to a doctor, sit in the office for a couple of hours, and I can get a virtual consultation, I'm willing to pay for that convenience and that speed for whatever my issue is. And I think a lot of pork producers, as margins are um, really getting hit hard right now, I think a lot of pork producers are going to be thinking about, you know, where can I save some money here? 
Um, and I, veterinary clinics really at their disposal, what they have is they have, they have the veterinarians and their veterinary brain power and time. And I think they can leverage that um, by using telemedicine to cover more customers. It's just thinking about, you know, how are they going to build their, their clients for it? And that's going to take a little bit of creativity, but I don't think it's anything that, that can't be overcome. Yeah, I think, you know, veterinarians uh, have it sort of stuck in their mind that, you know, the old, they have to be out in the barn. The only way they can provide value is if they're driving out to these sites and they're in there talking with producers. And of course, that is hugely important to the success of a veterinarian. They need to be doing that. But um, like I said, it, it when I was in practice, an average on average, I'd be spending five, six hours a day in the car. And, you know, that when you've got a family, when you've got um, just other other places you need to be and a lot of different fires going on, um, you know, within your production system that you're overseeing, there's only one place you can physically be at once. And I think these tools do allow you uh, a certain degree of oversight that you, you don't have if you're trying to do it in sort of a haphazard way, text here and email there. Um, I think you bring in a certain level of credibility and professionalism when you're handling these conversations through say a dedicated platform such as every pig or maybe ever um, uh, save that now or, or some of the other things that are out there rather than you know just doing a facetime call and then it was a, there was a text and then there was an email um it kind of if, if you're ever in a position where you need to say justify an invoice or for an audit or something like that if it's all happening and you don't really have good documentation you know, you had a phone call, there was a couple notes I jotted down in the truck and then they get lost. And, you know, a, a month goes by. And to be honest, we're not going to remember a lot of the specifics of that, of that case. So uh, I feel like if you're doing it within a formalized platform that's dedicated towards, you know, swine health management and, and communication, um, you all of a sudden now have a, a much more organized and much more legitimate um, document that, describes what you've been doing and what your recommendations were and, and, and so forth. So lot, lots to think about there. Any other key opportunities that we're missing here? I know you touched on the business model for vets. Is What else is there? Yeah. Uh, I, so, go ahead, Chris. Well, one of the things that um, a lot of the industry around the world is, is thinking about foreign animal disease outbreaks, right? And we hear a lot of talk about preparing for ASF. I would challenge people to think about, we saw what happened during COVID. All of a sudden the general public started getting used to terms like biosecurity where people in our industry have had to think about biosecurity for decades. Um, physical site visits stop or slow down in these scenarios. I would question industry leaders to think about if you're keeping your records on pieces of paper scattered around the countryside, do you really know what's going on with your animals? I don't think you do. Um, and in the case of a foreign animal disease outbreak, you know, and the site visits are going to be at least slowed or, or completely shut down and you need access to know what's going on on the farm. The only way you're going to have it is if you've digitized barn sheets. And you have context around that. And that's one thing every pig tries to help with. So I, I really want to challenge the industry to think about, you know, preparing for a foreign animal disease outbreak now versus once it hits, um, it's not going to be the time to implement a change. We've got a real opportunity to prepare ourselves for it now. And there are tools out there that don't need three years of development and $10 million, you know, from pork checkoff programs or things like that to develop. There are tools that can be picked up today 
and use today to prepare our industry. So I, I really think that's something that we need to start putting some urgency behind. Yeah, the um, you know biosecurity piece, foreign animal disease preparedness, those are all uh, you know hot terms that we throw around a lot in the industry about how to how to do it better. Are we prepared for a potential ASF break? You know, if and when something like that were to happen, the industry really needs to be ready to respond quickly to be able to. Uh, allow business to continue where it, where it is appropriate uh, and where you know lockdowns and quarantines need to happen. Uh, it, it's going to be just well, it's it's no surprise to this crowd, but yeah, I mean, just having a way to be able to oversee these farms in a biosecure and a uh, efficient manner is absolutely going to be needed. Um, the final piece I'll add, you know, just in terms of examples of, of when and where a tool such as this might be used. And, you know, the best thing that comes to mind is just the ability to triage better on, you know, when calls come in. I've got more information at my fingertips as a veterinarian. If I've got, you know, audio, video, pictures of what's happening, um, records that are real time that, you know, aren't, you know, a month from a month ago, um, that uh, I can I can respond to and apply to that specific case. That helps me, uh, number one, you know, be able to decide is something, you know, require a drive out to that farm or is this something that we can we can handle now and maybe talk again tomorrow. Um, so that, that's a big piece of, of helping the vets being able to prioritize where they need to be. And then likewise for the producer, you know, they're able to get their questions and concerns answered about maybe a, maybe a relatively minor issue um, that's, you know, uh, still important for swine health, but maybe doesn't quite rise to the level of vet needs to come out here and see this. Um, and then likewise, you know, how often are producers wondering, is this situation bad enough that I need to call the vet? And often they'll wait until it is bad enough. And then by that time, the vet often wishes, hey, I wish you had called me, you know, two days earlier. Uh, cause we, we could have gotten a jump on this or, you know, it, it would have made a difference with treatment or whatever. So that ability to get quick questions, hunches, concerns addressed in an efficient manner that's documented, I think provides a lot of value towards maximizing animal health in a time when, uh, efficiencies and, and other, other, uh, challenges are becoming more and more of an issue. Are there any myths of technology you want to address? I can think of a couple. Um, I, I've heard a lot since I started Every Pig, a lot of talk about our caregivers won't use this. And I couldn't find anything further from the truth. Um, with our customers, when you see management leadership, let the caregivers know, here are the benefits to you. This is going to help us provide you with better support. And you ultimately are judged on the performance of the pigs that you're raising. Um, we see thousands of caregivers um, that are happily within a, a minute or less on average, completing a daily checkup in their phone every single day and giving the context that the veterinarians need. Most of them are pretty happy to give a postmortem and upload a bunch of pictures of a postmortem, for example, as long as they get a response from somebody. They don't want to waste their time, but if they know, hey, a veterinarian is going to look at this or a production manager is going to look at this and they're going to give me some feedback, they're more than willing to do it. Um, I know there's also a major language barrier that, that's occurring in the industry in the Midwestern US, especially right now. A lot of Spanish speaking caregivers, for example, that companies are maybe having a hard time communicating with. 
Um, that's why, you know, platforms like EveryPig offer um, Spanish and other language versions. So all of a sudden, language isn't a barrier either. But I think that's one of the big myths that I see. Caregivers won't do this. Uh, I don't see that to be true at all. I think it just takes some leadership from the top of these companies to say, hey, we're going to do this. And here's how it benefits everybody. Yeah, and I would add, I mean, there's a, sort of a gray area or at least uh, an area where veterinarians aren't sure of the rules when it comes to, well, am I allowed to do this? And, you know, can I use telemedicine to diagnose and, you know, write prescriptions and offer treatment recommendations? Um, and to, to summarize that, um, you know, it, it does come down to that veterinary client patient relationship or the BCPR uh, in the majority of the states, there are a few exceptions that do allow you to establish a new BCPR just through telemedicine. But by and large, um, you know, say in Iowa, especially, they do want a veterinarian on site at least once per year. And once you've done that, once you've been to a site, you've got a whole year where you are um, uh, legally able to provide full on telemedicine, including diagnoses, treatments, recommendations. The caveat is it's all according to your judgment. So you as the vet, if you just don't feel comfortable with something or, you know, um, you, you always reserve that right to just say, you know what, I do need to come out there. But if, you know, you're talking with someone that you've had a long established relationship with and you know the flow of pigs really well and, you know, you, you're, you're confident that the producer will follow up with your recommendations, there, there's no limit to what you might be able to do uh, tel telemedicine wise uh, in terms of uh you know, helping, helping address issues as they come up without having to drive out there. Dr. Patterson, that, that's a great point. If I could just maybe add on to that with the VCPR, I think it's, it's time to rethink the VCPR requirements. When COVID hit, um, I believe they came out with some um, kind of exclusion for the, for the physical visitor, at least some nod towards telemedicine. Mm -hmm. um, telemedicine is not banned, as you pointed out. Um, a lot of states like the state of Iowa, for example, do still require a veterinarian to get out there once a year, but I think it's time to question the status quo and ask the state veterinarian, what, what is the importance of visiting a nursery that may turn six times in a year or mm -hmm. more? So it's different groups of pigs. If you've seen it once a year, you know, they could be seven groups of pigs behind that you haven't seen. So how is it really helping you that you, you visited out there? I think these are some of the constraints um, to growth and, and, and also it's really hampering our foreign animal disease preparedness um, by just the hesitation maybe that some veterinarians have around the, the confusion or, or um, caution around the BCPR. So I, I think it's, it's really time that um, state officials need to start rethinking um, why that's in place and, and if there's maybe a better way that we could do this. Yeah, and, and there's definitely... It, in most states, there's usually a board of veterinary medicine and that they often decide on, you know, what, what they consider valid to establish a new BCPR to maintain it and all those things. And I do think they, you know, COVID brought in uh, almost a forced acceptance and tolerance for, um, for telemedicine uh, and the leverage of these other tech tools uh, out of necessity. And, you know, now, you know, as the pandemic continues to wane, we're, we're kind of left now, a lot of states are wondering, well, okay, what, what is allowed and what is appropriate? And it, it makes sense that, you know, you're not going to say, sure, vets, you can do telemedicine without adding, 
well, what does that mean exactly? Is it, is it just somebody sends you a text message with, you know, a sick pig and that qualifies as, you know, uh, your maintenance of your visitor um, to establish a new VCPR? And, and, you know, I would say certainly no, that, that that's not a really good way to do that. But could we work with the industry to say, develop what a, a virtual uh, barn visit looks like? And, you know, here's the checklist of the things we want to observe um, from, from a veterinarian perspective and health perspective and, uh, you know, here's some recent diagnostic results. Here's some pictures from the pigs that day. And all of that's packaged up into, you know, a document that, you know, it was conducted through this veterinary telemedicine app. All of a sudden that gives a lot more credibility to just say, oh yeah, we, he called me on the phone and we talked about the pigs and I said, okay, sure, go ahead. Um, you know, treat with this or that. And so, so that's a big piece. And I, and I really, really think a huge, um, area where winning over hearts and minds is needed is this idea of, of for using a tool such as telemedicine for interstate health papers because veterinarians spend a ton of time doing you know driving out to healthy farms just for the purposes of health paper and those of course are important they're, they're there for a reason but i would argue that the veterinarian ought to be uh, able to utilize their judgment as to when they could appropriately substitute a virtual visit for that in-person visit um you know, because they've got a good relationship with the, the producer, they, you know, get, here's records of their health um, that day and all, all that stuff can be done remotely and handled remotely. So that that would be the next frontier of what I want to try to challenge the industry to think about is, is would we ever get to a point where interstate health papers could be approved and permitted on a, on a larger scale? Lots of great stuff. Um, how do you see technology evolving over the next decade? So in the 2000s, it was kind of the internet content. 2010s, a lot of email marketing, texting, enhanced computer usage. 2020s, a lot of farm apps, technology. What's what's next? So for me, I, I really, you know, we see all these different ways to capture data and analyze it that we'd never had at our fingertips, even, even a decade ago, five years ago, in, in some cases, um, and trying to get the industry to, you know, Chris talked about, you know, how, you know, records will get faxed in at the end of the month, and then, you know, they maybe get scanned into a computer, and there's no way to really um, you know, put that in, into a format where it's easy to analyze, easy to use as a tool to, to help you do better. Um, so moving away from sort of that reactive approach of, okay, mortality is reached, you know, above you know, whatever, 3%. So now we're going to do something, but could we move from that reactive approach to a sort of a predictive or a proactive approach where we, we picked up on these small, subtle changes that are happening in the barn because our data capture abilities have gotten so sophisticated and we're able to weigh in a lot sooner than we normally would. And, and, the, the savings, the efficiencies, the improved health that comes from that, it, it just can't be emphasized enough. Yeah, I think those are, those are great points, Dr. Patterson. And um, I completely agree. You know, I think as we look forward here in the, in the future, we've got to be much more proactive versus reactive. Um, and I want to caution before we jump, you know, maybe to 2025 or 2030 to just think about, if we're keeping all this information on paper, which most of the industry still is, you know, they're, they're going to get left behind. We already see them getting left behind by companies that are, that are much more efficient. So I think the first step is we've got to digitize these, get these records digitized. 
Now, when you want to talk about maybe the present and the future, um, it's artificial intelligence. I think AI is going to uh, impact every industry out there um, and livestock will not be left behind. Um, every pig, for example, has collected over 6 million digital daily checkups already. And our data science team has used that knowledge, those data sets, to be able to create some algorithms um, that are already in production and helping our customers. So for example, um, in the light of, uh, or in the spirit of being proactive, one of our, um, our machine learning algorithms looks through every group of pigs and every pig every night, and it finds patterns in that data that indicate there's going to be a mortality event within seven days. And we can warn our users about that. That, that's about, that service is right around 70 to 75% accurate right now and getting smarter. Um, but that's an example of how we are helping users get ahead of the health issues instead of being behind them. And it's not going to be, an, uh, it's not going to be a question of whether it's human beings or technology. It's going to be human beings that embrace the technology because the technology is coming. You know, there, there are new tools out there, for example, like barn tools, which every pig has an integration with, AP Edge controllers. Um, we're going to continue to integrate with these sensor companies, pull in that data, and then pull out the knowledge from all of the different inputs and warn users about it. So it's going to be a combination of technology and people working together, but I'd say look for AI to really be making an impact in our industry over the next five to 10 years. Final question, um, kind of from what you're seeing in the field, what are two points of opportunity and two points of caution we need to look at? Uh, so again, so thinking about opportunities, um, again, looking for instances where that remote veterinarian actually can provide um, equal or and sometimes even better value than they would be able to in person. I think that that's, that's a concept that is counterintuitive to what, what veterinarians feel like their, their, their abilities and what their brain power is meant for. Um, so that's, that's one, one piece. Um, you know, there's all these really cool things that are up on the horizon with AI that, you know, Chris mentioned and, how and where that might be applied in better ways to, to, to make that shift to um, uh, you know, predictive or, or proactive um, medicine rather than reactive. Um, Challenge-wise, you know, I'd say, uh, I'd remind again, the folks that are in there every day doing the chores, make, checking the feed water and air, um, the basics of pig, you know, everyday pig care is still always going to be the most important thing for, for healthy animals and, you know, not to get um, stuck looking at a screen versus, you know, what's right in front of your eyes in the barn is, is, is a challenge as, as well as, you know, trust your gut, trust what you're seeing in the barn. That's still so important. And again, I, I don't think any of these tools can really replace just a good thorough barn walkthrough with your veterinarian to just get a whole whole sense of the, the big picture of what's happening uh, from the barn to the pen to the pig level. Um, so that, that's a big piece um, as far as challenges. Um, Chris, do you, do you have some more? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, one of the areas of, of opportunity, as we kind of mentioned earlier, wean to finish mortality rates um, are getting worse each year in the United States. So I think the bar there is set really low. 
I think most producers, if you're operating on paper barn sheets, don't really have a good grasp on what's happening in real time on your farm. So I think there's a big opportunity to effectively use technology to improve, um, you know, the, the health outcomes and your mortality rates. Um, I'd caution the industry, you know, on complacency and, and just, um, I guess, maybe the fear of change. Change is scary and change is especially scary um, in our industry for a number of reasons. I, so I challenge people to push past that fear and embrace the new tools that can help you become more efficient. It's really going to be a matter of survival, um, I think, for companies to embrace this change because doing the same thing that you've done in the past that have maybe helped to get you here is not going to be what makes you successful in the next 10, 15 years. So um, I, I would caution, the word of caution is don't be complacent, don't be afraid, push past uh, maybe the fear of change. Well, Dr. Gil Patterson, Chris Baumgars, thanks for joining us today. Really enjoyed the opportunity. Thanks for the discussion. Thanks a lot, Jim.